thumb. Now, if you are here last week, we started talking about fasting. We're going to add to that again today. Remember, the fast means self-denial, to abstain from food or anything that tries to hinder my communication with God. And so this is very important we get this. I believe uh, fasting will open the door to a, a deeper relationship with God, a more intimate relationship with God. But also, I believe uh, the fast, it releases a more power within us. So you've got to get a hold of this today. Uh, Matthew 5, 6 says that the ones that hunger and thirst for righteousness, God will fill you. So let me ask you today, what do you hunger for? God wants you to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and he's going to put some things in you. All right, let's begin here. Psalm 42, and if you look at the, the headline of this psalm here, it says, yearning for God, not things, <coughs> excuse me, but yearning for God in the midst of distress. This is King David writing, and he said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. As a deer longs for the water, so longs my soul, my inner man for you, O Father God. And I don't know if you're like that, but I believe this is a thing that God wants us to get, get to here to start this year, where our soul longs for them. And he says in verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. What a prayer right there. Father God, I search for you, I thirst for you, I long for you. He goes on to say, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? Now it's clearly here that, that David is very discouraged. He's in a discouraging situation. And people mock his relationship with God. Where's your God at? And it seems like right here that's what he's saying. That God's very far away from him. And even that he, he feels cast down. He feels weary, he feels confused, and even uh, hopeless. Maybe that defines you today. But you know what you begin to see in this? That even in this situation, David understood, my only hope is to pray and seek God. I've got to keep seeking Him, no matter where I'm at. Verse number 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. What did he remember? Look at this. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, to church. And with the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. And he's telling us here that the corporate worship and praise that he experienced with the body of believers. It brought a joy. It brought a praise. Now think about this. That was even in the Old Testament. How much more should it be for us to come in here and praise God with the other saints? To begin to, to call upon the Lord. And we serve Jesus, our Lord and Savior. This is a, a cry right now. that When we come in here, guys, we ought to rock the house. Man, the world should not have nothing on us. Verse 5. He said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And when you read there, he says that his soul is cast down. 
And I believe he was telling himself, guys, it's time I take my eyes off of my circumstances and turn back to God. Begin to look to God. Verse number 6, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hills of Mazar. Deep calls unto deep at the, voice, or at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. And when you see there the, the, the waterfalls, the waterfalls are a result of the flow or the direction of the water. And when you look at a waterfall, a waterfall, as long as it has water, it's continue going to fall. It's going to continue to fall. It's going to. I believe this is the same with Father God, that we stay in that flow, we stay in that river of the things of God, as long as we stay in His presence. And God wants to touch every one of us. Now go over a couple books more to Psalm sixty-nine. I want you to see another one of these. Psalm sixty-nine, and, and this is King David again talking. And if you look at the start of Psalm 69, it says, an urgent plea for help in trouble. An urgent plea. Verse 1, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. That's some of you right now. You feel like all the problems, they're right here on your neck. I sink in deep mire where there's no standing. I've come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry, my eyes fail while I wait for my God. Now you can tell he's not in a good situation. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me. Being my enemies wrongfully, though I've stolen nothing, I still must restore it. Oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord of God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. Because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Because zeal or envy for your house has eaten me up. And the approaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. So he's got all these things happening. So what was the answer? Look at verse 10. When I wept and chastened or humbled my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. In this very time of an urgent need of trouble, David said this, I must humble my soul with fasting. I think many times in our life, we try everything in the world. But I've ever tried fasting and praying because I believe this with all my heart, even right now, when you fast and pray with the kingdom purpose, there will be breakthrough. And in even David's life, he was tired of living in a normal state. He was tired of just going through the motions. This is the way we go to church. You know, he needed more. Maybe like me and you, we need more. And even in David's life here, he was dry spiritually. But he desired more of God. Go with me to our main scripture is in Isaiah 58. And this is where we were last week. Isaiah chapter 58. And as you turn there, because I don't know about you, 2012 wasn't a bad year. But I'm not content going through 2013 the same way. I believe God wants to call us up to, to higher levels. Every one of us in here. Isaiah 58 is where we're going. Now think about this. 
When you get up in the mornings and you start your day by getting in the Word and you read, maybe you have praise and worship music on. Maybe you begin to sing. Maybe you begin to pray. What does it do for you? It sets the tone or the course for the entire day. By doing that the first thing in the morning. Well, I believe this with the fast. That when we start our year with a fast, it'll start the course of the year that'll last throughout it. It will be the, the, the glue that'll be there. And so this is why it's very important to start this year with this. Now, remember last week we talked about the fast that, that God didn't choose. And it was more about self-centeredness. It's all about me, 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 me. And he said, man, you know, you point the finger, you judge, you criticize, you do this. And he said, that's not the fast that I've chosen. Now, you want to see the fast that he has chosen? Let's begin in verse number 6 of Isaiah 58. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? Look, that's what he says immediately. And I believe the fast that God's chosen is he wants us to seek him. He wants us to draw near. He wants us to let him mold us. But also, I believe that, that he desires that each one of us, that we respond to the conviction of sin in our life. And say, okay, Father God, I want to go to higher levels with you. Isaiah 58, verse 6. And he goes on to say, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free. And as I read this, guys, these were all instruments of freedom against the invisible shackles of evil. And, and maybe in your life, guys, these things are appearing right now. Maybe you've, you've got bonds of wickedness. Maybe you've got heavy burdens today. Maybe you need to, to have yourself be freed in areas. I believe this is what he's talking about. And, and the fast in itself, guys, I think it fights oppression. And oppression, guys, is not from our, our society. Oppression is satanic. It comes from the devil. This is what the devil wants to bring on people. And so when I look at this and what the fast will do, the fast is me is part of our spiritual arsenal. It's part of the armor that we have. And so many of us, guys, we've never tapped into it. Listen, I don't care who you are. You cannot fight a spiritual battle or in the spiritual realm with natural weapons. The only way I fight the spiritual realm is through spiritual weapons. I believe the fast is one of them. The problem is this, guys. In our society, we don't like to dig in. We don't like to persevere. We don't like, we like things easy. So guess what happens? When we, when we have something go wrong in our life, you know what our answer is in America right now? Let's medicate them. Let's medicate them. And the answer for everything, put them on this, put them on that. You know, growing up, I, I, I had a hard time sitting still. I was a live wire. And I, I think back that if I would have been raised in a society that said, he's ADD, put him on Ritalin. Drug that boy. But guys, what would happen if we just begin to do the word? I don't need a psychiatrist. I just need to do the word of God. And when I read this, I believe this is what the fast does. It releases things in the spirit realm. Actually, Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, it says this. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Putting on the 
whole armor of God. Every bit of the armor of God. Why? That you, me and you, may be able to stand against the tricks, the wiles, the ambushes of the devil. Now verse 12 says this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So he's given me an insight here. The battle we're fighting, guys, isn't against flesh and blood. It's in the spirit realm. I believe this is one of the ways he's telling me here, you want to fight the spirit realm? Begin to step out in faith and fast and pray. Begin to stand on the word of God and say, okay, Father God, when you say to fast and pray, I'm going to do it. And I'm going I'm to tell you guys, it'll be a great stretch of faith. And you know what many people will say? Well, Pastor, that's all Old Testament stuff. That's not all Old Testament stuff. Actually, I want you to go to Matthew 17 so I can show you some of the stuff the Lord Jesus said about it himself. Matthew chapter 17. As you're turning there, I was reading an article the other day about this man. And before he got born again and gave his heart to Jesus, he had all kinds of issues in his life. Probably like you and me. Man, all kinds of stuff had happened in his life. But he got born again, gave his heart to Jesus. Man, he began to dig in the word of God and all of a sudden freedom began to come to him. Those old bondages began to leave. But not long after that, a severe depression fell upon his wife and she began to be tormented mentally where she could not go through the night. She would wake up in fear and trembling and, and he said she was on the verge of being suicidal. So he said, I did everything I knew to do. To no avail. He said after a couple of weeks of that. He said I was reading in my Bible. And he said I got into Isaiah 58. And it started talking about. In verse 6 what we just read. He said I went to before the Lord. And he said Father God. I'm going to step out in faith. Remember Hebrews 11.6 says without faith. It's impossible to please him. He said I'm going to step out in faith. And I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray for my wife. That you'll break the bonds of wickedness over her. So he went on a three-day fast. All he had was, was water for three days. But the whole time, guys, he began to pray. He began to petition God. He would go around the room and read Isaiah 58, 6. And he'd say, I thank you, Father God. You're going to break these bonds of wickedness over my wife. And he kept believing. He kept praying. He said, after three days, my flesh was weak. But my spirit was strong. And he said he walked into that bedroom and saw his wife sitting there in that state of depression. And I like to call it the eye of the tiger. He walked in with that faith and he looked at her. And he walked up and he said, I laid hands on her. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And he said at that very minute, he said, it's like the whole bedroom shook. And he said, bam, something happened within my wife. And she was set free. I tell that to say this, guys. I'm going to tell you, I believe with all my heart, God's wanting to do some things in our lives and your lives, but he's just looking for ones. And so many of the times, guys, we haven't talked about this within the church. This has not been relevant. That's years. We don't do those things anymore. That's the problem. We need to start doing what, what the Lord prescribed. This is important, okay? Now start with me here in Matthew 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic. 
and suffers sincerely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Now, this father here, guys, he helplessly reveals his son's condition. I don't know what to do. One translation says he's in severe bondage. He's a lunatic. He's even suicidal. Now, if you'll notice in here, Jesus didn't say, take him to the store and put him on Ritalin. That wasn't the answer. Look what goes on to say. What goes on, in Jesus says in verse 16. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. They couldn't cure him. And you know, a lot of times when we read stuff like that, we think, what's up with the disciples? They couldn't cure him. Now, I'm going to be honest with you today. I've been right here before. As a minister, as a pastor, guys, and I understand this, guys. I can't heal nobody. I can't save nobody. I can't, I can't cast the devil out of nobody in my own abilities. But Jesus within me, I can. And I still believe the Bible when I read it where it says, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You'll cast out demons in my name. And so I've been right here with the disciples. Well, why couldn't they do anything about it? Now, verse 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. One translation says, you have no sense of God. How long will I be with you? How long shall I bear you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. Now, I want you to understand here real quick. Jesus didn't rebuke the little boy. He rebuked the satanic, the demon with inside him, okay? So once again, guys, I'm not dealing with people. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm going to use Adam as an analogy. I'm not casting the devil out of Adam, per se, as him himself. It's the demonic influence within him, okay? So it's nothing wrong with people. It's just the devil has come on the inside of them. How, how many of you have ever been aware of that? I can honestly say to you guys, when I'm 17 years old, I'm full of the devil, literally. I'm full of the devil. My brother comes into the room one night, and my brother's born again, serving God. Me and him shared a bed. I crawl in bed with him, and he said just out of the blue, once he gets in there, I was like a mule. I turned sideways and just, boom, kicked him out of the bed. Well, you know, growing up in my home, I mean, it's on. It's on. We're fighting. Well, he, he gets up, and he's ready, and he realizes, I'm not awake. So throughout the evening, there's more and more demonic stuff that starts flowing through me. And so actually, my brother ends up casting the devil out of me. Now in the process, now listen once again. I'm just a human being and I've given myself over to that. You know what my brother did? He asked Father God, he said, Father God, how did the devil get into my brother that strong? You know what the Lord told him? Get this guy, especially some of you young ones. He said, it's all that junky music he listens to. Because I listen to junk. I'm on the highway. I mean, I spoke that stuff. All that black Sabbath. I mean, I can all the junk. And that's how he got root in me, okay? Woo, I tell you. Thank God I had a brother that knew the name of Jesus. And so here, back to this where I'm sorry I took a sidetrack. He said here, and Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, we can go around here and we can say, what was the difference? And everybody say, duh, that's easy. 
It was Jesus. Jesus was the difference. The reason that that demon left was because of Jesus. Hold your finger right there and turn back just a couple pages to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I want to read this to you. This will help you. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits and to cast them out. Wow. And then he puts them on assignment and read with me in verse 8. And he sent them out and their assignment was heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Wow. And you know what most people will say right there? But pastor, that was for the original twelve. That stuff has been done away with a long, long time ago. Well, it's interesting to me that in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus sent out 12 or 70 disciples, and they came back and they said to Jesus, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And in verse 19, Jesus said to me, he said, Listen, boys, I give you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And some people say, Well, yes. But that's the original 70. God doesn't do things like that. Look with me in Mark chapter 16. Hold your finger right there in Matthew 17. I know I've got to keep going all over the place. Mark 16. Get this, guys. This will help you. Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Huh. Didn't say anything about the original 12, those other 70. It said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. So once again, guys, I want you to see that Jesus has given us the authority in his name to do all that. So what was the issue? Well, keep going with me. Back to Matthew 17. So Jesus cast them out. Verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? I believe the disciples are very humble. They're like, Lord Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Tell us. Look at Jesus' response in verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because your lack of faith or your unbelief, one translation says, because you don't take God serious. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So guess what happens? All the faith people, they run back and they look at each other and say, I know what the problem is. We've got to have more faith. We don't have any faith. We're weak in faith. And I remember years and years in the church when people didn't get healed or something didn't happen, we'd say, oh, brother, you've got to get more faith. You just don't have enough faith. But if we really look what Jesus said, he said, the faith you need is that of a mustard seed. It's just a little bitty speck. In other words, you got enough faith. You just got to step out. And so many times we stop right there. But if you'll note, Jesus didn't stop. Look at verse 21, what he says here. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Huh. Kind of interesting, isn't it? And as I read that, I think, how many times in our lives... Have we had demonic activity within our families? That's not a slap on anybody's family, on anybody, guys. I mean, really, literally, every one of us come from dysfunction. 
Because of a thing called sin. But I look at all this and I think, when he says this kind comes out only, only, there is no other way but this way. And so how many of us would walk this line and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And this may be foreign to you, but I look all through the Bible and think, if Jesus could accomplish everything he did when he came to earth without fasting, why did Jesus fast and pray? Because he understood the significance. And I believe this is big for each one of us. Now, for the next few minutes, I'm going to give you some insights about some different types of fast so you don't get overwhelmed, okay? Go with me to the book of Daniel, chapter number 10. Daniel, chapter number 10. Jesus himself, in, in Matthew 4, 2, he fasted 40 days. Some of you said, we got to fast 40 days now. In Acts 9, 9, the apostle Paul fasted three days. In the book of Ezra, chapter 10, Ezra was in deep mourning for the sin of the church. And it said he fasted for one day. So I'm going to show you that there's all kinds of different fasts that you need to see biblically here. And not only the different fasts, the different lengths, but the different kinds. And I believe you've got to do something, okay? Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. You know what that means? It took a lot longer to happen than what he expected. And he understood the message and had the understanding of vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning or fasting for three full weeks. So how long was he fasting? 21 days. Now get this. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all until the three weeks were fulfilled. Now, this is called a partial fast, guys. And the emphasis was on the restrictions of certain foods. What were the foods that he didn't eat? He didn't eat meat, and he didn't eat sweets, really, is what that pertains to. Now, some of you would say, well, that's easy. And we can break down sweets a little bit here for you. That means... No Twinkies. That means no cinnamon rolls, Pastor. That means, this will hurt some of you, Dr. Pepper. You know how much sugar's in Dr. Pepper? You're eliminated. No Mountain Dew. No coffee, Pastor. Oh. See, once again, a lot of times we think, oh, that's nothing but... All that, that uh, Daniel ate then was fruits and vegetables and water for 21 days. 21 days he went on this type of fast, okay? Now, I want to show you some significance of what happens here. Pick up with me in verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me. And you know what that hand was? That's the hand of an angel. That'll get your attention real quick. Which made me tremble. And on my knees and on the palms of my hands. Now this is very important that each one of us understand this in a fast. That a, a fast isn't just going without food. To go just without food, that's dieting, okay? The fast is to seek God to begin to pray. And in this verse right here, it tells us David's, or Daniel's battle position. It said he was on his knees on the palms of his hand. He was praying. He was seeking God. Actually, guys, that's our battle position. Think about this when you see a boxer. When a boxer's standing like this, that's his battle position. That means it's on. 
When a believer really gets in his battle, we get on our hands and knees and begin to pray. This is what Daniel was doing. Not only was he fasting all these different foods, but he was seeking God, okay? Keep reading here with me, verse 11. And this angel said to him, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For an hour I have been sent to you. While he's speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. So guess what happens here? He begins to fast and he begins to pray. And all of a sudden, God sends this angel to him. He says, man, there's your breakthrough, buddy. I'm going to send you this angel to assist you. Keep reading, verse 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. From the very first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. The humbling part was he began to fast, but he also prayed. And so he said, from the very first day. Get this, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And you know who the prince of Persia was? He was a demonic influence. A strong demonic influence that his name was the prince of Persia. And this right here, guys, it shows that there, there's demonic armies that are tried to oppose God's purpose right here on earth. Right here, it's going on right now. Just because we can't see in this realm around us, doesn't mean it's not happening. I think we would probably freak out if we could see what was going on in the spiritual realm right now. All the battles between the angels and the devils that are going on. But listen to me. Even though this activity is there and the devil's trying to oppose the purposes of God, we win when we pray and we fast. We win when we pray and we fast. Now, I've never, I've never seen an angel with my physical eyes. I've sensed them. There's some big ones that hang around back here in the back. Well, you know, one day I was praying back there, and one of the ladies praying in here, I said, there's a big one. He gets back in that corner, and she said, Pastor, there's three of them. There's ones in our church that they see angels. They see those things. I said, I've never seen them. But when I get around people that walk in the gift of discernment, which is found in 1 Corinthians 12, there's several in this church that see it. People always say, man, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me about the angels. What are you seeing? The problem is when you have the gift of discernment and you see in the spiritual realm, you not only see the angels, you see the other side. You see the yuck. There, there's hardly a service that goes by that one's in our own church that see in the spiritual realm. They'll come up and they'll tell me, man, pastor, there was a big angel. There was a big angel. I remember just a few weeks ago, we were in here on a Sunday morning, and I don't know if Evan's still in here. Is Evan still here? Where'd he go? Evan was back here playing the piano. I mean, just playing. It's, it's 8 in the morning, just playing, nothing. And we're walking around here, and there's a couple of us in here praying, and this one guy that's praying in here, Evan starts praying, and he comes up to him and says, don't quit playing, keep playing, keep playing. And he said, why? And he said, because, man, there's angels all back here. There's angels. Man, when I begin to sense that, we get to flowing in the service, in the first service, and, and Matt was sitting here on the front row, and he'd come up, and he started talking about all the angelic activity. Guys, this stuff's going on. You can look at me like you're crazy. No, I'm telling you guys, that's a real deal. It's happening. So this angel begins to tell Daniel, this devil, he's opposed me for 21 days. And look what happens here. This prince of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. So guess what happens? 
This angel that's been sent to Daniel, he's fighting against the prince of Persia, and it's a battle, and he can't go forward anymore. So guess what happens? God says, we're going to send in the big boys. Michael was one of the three original angels, and he said, Michael, Gabriel, and the one named Lucifer, which was Satan. And so he said, send Michael up there. Now, when he sends Michael up there, you know what that means to the devil? It's hit the fan. We're getting ready to get, God's getting ready to get my attention. So he sends Michael and he sends, I'm telling you, this is what happened. My point telling you all this, guys, what was all this birthed off of? A man who began to fast and pray. Now look what it releases in the very next verse, verse 14. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. You know what Daniel was praying for? He needed direction. He needed understanding, guys, and he wasn't just praying about himself. He was praying about the whole nation, all the people there. And God said, guess what? Because of this, I'm going to give you some understanding. How many of you today right now are saying, man, I need understanding in my life. I need direction. I'm going to tell you guys, look what happened right here. And I want you to go with me to one more passage, Daniel chapter 1, while you're right there. I'm going to give you another example here. And this passage here, Daniel's wanting to go on this certain type of fast, but the, the chief cook there, he tells Daniel, he said, listen, buddy, you can't do that. He said, if the king sees you guys fasting and not eating the king's delicacies, your faces are all going to be shriveled up and everything, he's going to have my head. And Daniel's telling him, no, 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 not so here. Just trust me in this. And so pick up with me now into, uh, let's read verse 12. It says, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, what was the length here? 10 days. What was the fast? Vegetables and water, okay? My point in telling you all these guys is you got to understand, if you've never fasted before, don't break the 12th commandment. What's the 12th commandment, Pastor? Thou shalt not kid thyself. I'm going to tell you, the word fast itself means to crucify. Crucify, watch, your flesh. And I will tell you this right now. When you begin to do this, one thing's going to happen. Your stomach is going to scream. It's going to rebel. It's going to pout like a little baby. But I'm going to tell you guys, I believe something happens when we begin to fast and pray. And look in this passage what happens here in verse 15. Same chapter. And at the end of 10 days... Their features appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. You know what that tells me right there? He didn't kill them. They didn't die. Even after 10 days, they didn't die. You're not going to die either. I'm not going to die. But it broke something loose here. And it goes on to say in verse 16, Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were drinking, and he gave them vegetables. Now look what happened. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge, skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel understanding in all visions or dreams. What was this the result of? They fasted and prayed. Understanding? You know, if, if you're a person that, man, you've wondered about certain revelations in the Bible, I'll tell you, this will unleash it. And look with me in verse 20, uh, 20 the last verse in that chapter. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, 
He found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all this realm. Ten times. Ten times. Something broke loose from heaven when they fasted and prayed. And so I don't care if it's for understanding. I don't care if there's bonds of wickedness. Maybe you've been dominated by fear. Maybe you've been dominated by resentment, unforgiveness. Maybe you've been dominated by certain acts of your flesh. I'm going to tell you right now, guys. God wants to do something. But you've got to partner with him. Now, we're going to try to make it easier around here. We've got different flyers out here to tell you different types of fasts and things. But also, throughout the week, we're going to pray for specific things. So, what's going on here, Pastor? This year, we're going to call for a two-week fast. If you don't fast, that doesn't mean you can't come to church here. Okay, guys? I'm not that stinking legalistic. But I do believe it would benefit you if you did something. Maybe there's stuff in your family. Maybe there's generational curses. Things that have been going on for years. Maybe you need a fresh touch, even with your hunger for God. What about in your marriage? What about for your kids, but even more so? Something happens when we fast as a body of believers. You know what I believe the fast is going to do? It's going to unleash the anointing in this place. What do you mean, Pastor? I believe we can lay hands on the sick and on people today and God would still move. But I'm praying and I'm believing God for a stronger anointing. Now get this. Two weeks from today, Sunday, June 20th is a big day. It's not the Super Bowl. It's bigger than that. It can be bigger. Absolutely. It's the things of the kingdom of God. I want you to begin to fast and begin to pray. And you know what? Some of you may get breakthroughs right now. Some of you may be 21 days like Daniel. But on that day, guys, we're going to come in here with our faith and we're going to pray. And you got strongholds in your life. You got bondage, stuff that needs to be broken. I'm telling you, put your expectation out. Get it out there. I said this in the first service. Many times before we go on vacation, you start marking your calendar out. Well, we're going on vacation on July 7th. Man, back in early June, you start marking and say, 19 more days, 18 more days. You know why? You do it with an expectation. What if we had that same expectation? Father God, 14 days from now, I believe there's going to be significant breakthrough in my life. Significant breakthrough in my family. Significant breakthrough in my children. And some of you say, but I've never done this. Well, as a kid, we used to always say this. I double-dog dare you. Now, I can dare you, but man, when my brother would say, we double-dog dare you, you know what that means? It's on. It's on, buddy. I double-dog dare you. Just to step out in faith and say, you know what, Father God? I'm on a fast. And you know what? If it's a meal a day, praise the Lord. Don't get legalistic on me. Just say, we're going to begin to seek God. And we're going to begin to pray. Well, Pastor, two weeks is a long time. Let's rise up. Let's say, okay, I'm going to seek God. Stand on your feet with me. Listen.